Hi guys, welcome. Today is the 7th of September. It is my birthday. I am officially 41 years old. I made it. Guys, I survived. I made it to 41. We made it to our 40s. And it's interesting to reflect back on birthdays. I love birthdays. Birthdays, number one, are my favourite. Like, birthdays are my favourite thing. And I used to get so, so excited about birthdays. So, like, when I was younger, you'd get really excited. Because when you can turn 16, you're like, ooh, 16, I'm going to lose my virginity. <laughs> and then you get to, like, 18, and you're like, oh, any minute now, someone's going to take it. <laughs> and you get to 21, and you're like, somebody, anybody, is anyone going to have a go? No? Okay. And then you get to 40, and, mate, you just want a cuddle, really, don't you, at 40. That's what you want. You want somebody that knows how to reverse part one hand. That's all I want at 40. And I genuinely thought when I was younger, and I, I look at my school friends and like what they did with their lives, and I don't know about you lot, like if you come from a small town, like I came from quite a small town where everybody kind of knew everybody, and I was the one that left with the dream. Like I was the one that left with the dream. Like I was going to go be somebody. I was going to go and make it. I was going to leave for the big city. And all my friends back home were like, you think you're too good for us, do you? I am too good for you, bitch. I'm out of here. See you later. I'm going to be rich and famous with a baby. You're not ready for how successful I'm going to be. And I um, I moved to London. I put all my belongings in a red and white handkerchief and an end of a stick, and I moved to London to chase a dream. And I remember in my first year of being a professional comedian, uh, I think I went on tour, and it generated like £12,000 in ticket sales. And I was over the moon. I'd never made so much money. £12,000 in ticket sales. And I got paid 800. So I very quickly got on the train and came all the way back home. And I found myself moving home a lot in my 30s and my 20s, started stopping and starting, stopping and starting, stopping and starting. And I remember looking at my 30s and looking back at my friends who, you know, were married and settled down and didn't leave the small town. And what were they doing with their lives? And they're doing really well. Like, they've got a semi-detached house with two vo Volvos parked outside breastfeeding twins. And they'd be looking at me like, you having a good time in the city, are you? You're like, yeah, I'm doing really well, actually. I'm doing really well. And they don't know. They didn't know how hard it was. They didn't know. And you look back at your life and you're like, why can't you just marry the first guy that fingered you, Louisa? Like, why did you chase a dream? And I kind of thought when I was in my 20s that 40s were so old. And maybe that's what all 40-year-olds say to each other, that 40 was so old. That this idea that by 40, you'd basically have teenage kids, you'd have a car, you'd have a Volvo, like whatever car you wanted, You'd have your finances sorted. You'd have the house. You'd have your forever home, wouldn't you, in your 40s? You'd have all of that sorted. You'd have a dog. Your kids would be going to school. You'd be going to holidays. You'd be wearing nice outfits. I wanted to do the shop of Balmain. I don't know if that's how you say it. Balmain, Balman, and Zimmerman. That's where I thought I'd get my outfits from. That's what I'd do. Although today I have got a very pretty dress on. This is from a holiday shop that I wore. This is from Dubai, actually. Very pretty holiday shop. And then... Now I am 40, and it's so strange because I don't feel ready for kids, even though I know biologically I should be having them. Like, if I'm going to have them at all, now is probably my last chance to be able to have them. And that's such a different kind of pressure on half the population that the other half just can probably have no idea what it's like to feel like or the importance of it. And turning 40 for me was a very significant birthday. Like, for me, it felt huge. Like, I had... So much stress and anxiety about turning 40 because I thought, fuck, like, this is huge. This is kind of like the end of an era. Like, this is the end of my childhood. This is the end of my young adulthood. This is the end of me trying because your young adulthood is you trying. So in your 20s, if you have to move back home, it's all right. In your 30s, if you have to move back home, it's all right because you're like, well, you're still trying and you're still trying to make it and look how difficult it is for the economy. Look what's happening with everything. Look how many people are struggling to get on the property ladder. But then when you hit to 40, like, you can't move back home at 40, mate. Like, that's it. Like, you're fucked. Like, you're just fucked if you've done that choice at 40. 
So what does 40 look like now? And 40 for me is very different to how I imagined it would be. Like, I still feel very young. I feel very young and beautiful, and like I've got the world at my feet. I feel very excited about the future. Um, I don't feel irrelevant. I don't feel cast aside. And I know that's how many 40-year-old women feel or are made to feel. I spoke to somebody that works in advertising, and they were saying how uh, advertisers don't care about women over 35. Wha- number one, why are you not caring over women over 35? That's the first lot of people that you should be caring about because you've got the disposable income to do that, to spend on your stuff. Women have always had that. And in fact, women's money has always mattered, has always counted. Look at what's happened with like Taylor Swift and Beyonce in the Barbie movie. Like Women's money has always is single-handedly holding up economies now is what women's money is doing. Um, but this idea of like, well, what do you want at this period of your life? Like if you're not married... If you don't have children, does society see you as a failure? And it's something that I kind of reckoned with last year. And this idea of where I thought I should be, and because I'm not there, have I failed? Even though I've put in the work, so even though I've worked my ass off my career, I can't help it if I'm working within an environment where there's sexism is a problem, where misogyny is a problem, where classism is a problem, and where there is very much a glass ceiling. Like it's a rigged system. And we're seeing that now so clearly in the UK, what a rigged system it is. So this idea where you just got to work harder is bullshit. I talk about this in my show, Bitter. And even if it's the case of the relationships I've had, I try to make work. Like, I love the relationships that I had, and I tried to make them work. Those relationships I put my everything into. I wanted them to work. And it's not that, like, oh, I've missed the boat. Like, the, the, there hasn't been a boat. Like, my boat has, where's my boat? It's not like, oh, I had this guy, and he proposed, and I was an idiot, and I said no. Like, no, no. There was never a guy. There's never. There's been no boat, and I've been at the shore. Like guys, like I'm ready for a boat. Like can I have my boat now, please? Like I haven't missed the boat, and the boat that I got in clearly wasn't meant for me. Like the boat that I got in just had a, like a massive hole in it, and so I had to get out of that boat. It was safer to swim. So what do you do? What do you do when it doesn't look like what you thought it would? You embrace what it is. You embrace exactly what it is. And earlier at the end of last year, I found myself feeling suicidal, uh, hopeless, desperate, and totally unsupported, unliked, hated, just felt like the world was stacked up against me and that it didn't matter how hard I tried or what I did, everybody and everything was just saying no. I was struggling to get anywhere in my career, trying to get any support or any work. I was struggling to get anything, so that wasn't happening. So financially, I was very worried. Um... Uh, relationship-wise, I'd invested so much in this relationship that I thought would turn out to be something that felt so uh, kindred spirit, felt so like perfect, was so wonderful at the beginning, when actually he was never available. And if I'm honest myself, neither was I probably, because it was safer for me to chase somebody that's not available rather than to remove myself and put myself forward for something that is. And what that does is it damages your self-esteem. Your self-esteem ends up getting fucked, right? It gets royally fucked. And I think I'm at an age now where I can't afford to fuck myself anymore. I can't afford to be fucked with. I genuinely can't. And I actually don't care. Because in my 20s, you try and fuck with us, don't you? Because you realise women, we're so powerful. We have so much to offer. We have so much to achieve and so many things that we could like. We're so powerful. If you think about what we do, you literally physically give birth to life. We're so important, right? We're so necessary. We're so necessary for the community, for the world, for humanity. We're so necessary. And yet, we are belittled to think about bullshit. So what do we worry about? You know, anti-wrinkle cream, face cream, cellulite, thighs gaps, thighs touching. 
And it's a joke about my thighs touching each other. Mate, my thighs touch. So what? If you were this close to my vagina, wouldn't you start touching yourself? Yeah. I have another one because it's summer outside now. And I get really embarrassed. You know when you sit on like a park bench or on like a, a bar table by the bar and you sit down and you're like, your thighs clap as they sit down. You're mortified because like, oh my God, my thighs clapped. Oh my God, it's so humiliating. My thighs clapped. And I'm like, nah, bitch, you're right. Your cunt does deserve a round of applause. We're so busy worrying about all these stupid things rather than what actually matters. And if we took away this idea of like what we look like and staying young, this idea of being young forever, which is so bullshit. Like I actually think it's ridiculous because I've been young. It was amazing. But like I think I'm just as valuable and beautiful now at 41 than I ever have been. <laughs> I remember in my 20s, I was super skinny, super skinny, super tiny, super gorgeous. Yeah, it was amazing. But nothing really happened. And now I'm 41. And I still know, like, I know my worth. And my worth is not based on what somebody else's opinion is of my body. Like, my body's amazing. Like, it's still here after what I've fed it, mate. And it's still here. It's still thriving. Come on now. Come on now. So who are we if we're 40 and we're not married and we're not settled down and we're not famous with a baby? Who are we? Who are we and what do we do instead? And that's what I'd like to explore over the next uh, season, really, to discover what life could look like then. So I decided last year, I thought, right, well, because you're not married, because you're not settled down, uh, you have got a house. I bought a house in Birmingham, and I love my home. It's a beautiful home, but it's not in an area that I would want. Um, this is a city that I moved to after my mum passed away, and it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful home to me. But um, I think I prefer down south, if I'm honest. Like, I like being down south. I grew up down south. Uh, I like gigging more regularly down south. Um and I was like, but I have got a beautiful home. I have got a beautiful home. I have got a beautiful dog. And I have got a car. And I thought, okay, well what can I do? Because if you've got kids, what do you always say? Oh, you can't go on holiday. You can't do anything because you've got kids. You can't spend any money because you've got kids. You can't do anything. You've got a partner. Oh, they're boring anyway. You don't have to get to have sex with them. You're bored of them. You don't want to have sex with them after a while. Which, by the way, is bullshit. I'm so annoyed with women doing that when they're like, oh, I've got a partner. Yeah, you don't want them anyway. You can have them. Like, fuck off, mate. A, don't be in a relationship that you don't want to be in. Number one. B, like, you're lucky you've got a penis. Like, if I had a penis right there, mate, I would not, I would not, um, I would not lose sight of that, okay? I would make sure that that penis felt valued and appreciated and respected. Every day of the week is what I would do. I would not waste that penis. I would not waste a penis, okay? I would not do that. So you go, what do you do? You go, well, I've got a freedom, haven't I? I've got autonomy. I've got freedom and autonomy. And so what I planned to do at the end of the last year, I went to one of two ways. You go, right, you either kill yourself, right, which is horrible, and you don't do that, or you change what you're doing. And what's the most ridiculous, stupid, wildest thing you could do right now that is in your control, that is not reliant on somebody else sending you an email that can change your life or a magical phone call or something that just changes the game forever? What can you do? And I thought, well, I have got my house. I can rent out my house. Right? I can rent out my house, and I can go traveling. I can go traveling because... I've not got any ties. So that's exactly what I did. I rented out my house and I went traveling. And before I went, I thought, right, you need to, you need to make a bit of a plan. You need to have something going on in the background that can kind of carry some momentum forward. So one thing I did is I recorded a comedy special called God is a Woman, which is a beautiful comedy special all about uh, autonomy and love and grief and loss. And what does it mean like when we do lose somebody? How do we find faith? Because I think faith is comes into question throughout periods of our lives. 
And I know a lot of people rely on faith when times are difficult and times are hard, but what do you do when actually times are difficult and times are hard and you realise how there is nothing else or nobody else there to help you? What do you do then? And again, what it is, is is recognising and looking inwards of what we have got rather than looking outwards for somebody else to save us, what we've got within us to save us. So God is always a beautiful show. And it also challenges things like Roe v. Wade um, and our own internalised belief systems about you know, our role in society. So I kind of, I think it's a beautiful show. So I decided to film that. So my friend, who's a legend, lent me some money, and I filmed God is a Woman, a special. It's a beautiful special. You can get it on my website, download it now. You can rent it or download it, God is a Woman, self-funded, self-produced, beautiful special. Highly recommend. The second thing I thought I'd do is I thought I'll book Edinburgh. So then when I come back in August, I'll do Edinburgh, and I'll do two shows a day, and I'll make them super accessible, and I'll do two stand-up shows. I'll do one stand-up show that's just straight comedy. There's a stand-up show called Bitter, which I'm going to work on. I'm going to tour and more on that soon. And the second show idea was a musical, God is Woman, the musical idea that I had. So I booked that in. And then the third thing I did is I went travelling to Europe, and I had the trip of a lifetime. It was wonderful to go abroad by myself, to go on holiday by myself. Because here's the thing. I see people go away with groups of friends all the time on holiday. I'm not somebody that's ever had groups of friends. I've got one-on-one relationships with lots of different people, but I've never had a, a big group of people. It's not been my thing. So what do you do? Like, not go on holiday. That's the option, isn't it? You either go on holiday by yourself or don't go on holiday. And my thing is, I'm still going to go on holiday, mate. So I went on holiday by myself for just over three months, And I took Bernie with me, and so I drove. I took my car, and I drove around Europe. And I drove from from the UK down to France, and I went to Paris, I went to Dijon, I went to Annecy, Lake Annecy, Annely, I always get it wrong, forgive me. I went to Colmar in France, beautiful. I really want to go to South of France as well, it looks beautiful. I ended up in Milan, I drove to Milan. From Milan, I drove to Switzerland, then from Switzerland, I went to Zurich, I went to Basel, went to Bern, beautiful places where the water is so clear the sun is so bright and you're overlooking snowy top mountains with green massive fields with the most clearest water. I went and had uh, a shit in a forest and I drank water out of a stream. Mate, it was beautiful. It was stunning. Like it was beautiful. It was the most just, it felt amazing to be surrounded by such nature and such beauty that just literally blows your mind. You see it, you can't help but take a big inhale because it's breathtaking. And so I went around there, and then I went to the Netherlands. I love the Netherlands. I went to Antwerp. By the way, if you're looking for shops and want to go shopping, clothes shopping, Antwerp is your friend. Antwerp is amazing. Went to Antwerp. And then from Antwerp, I went on to uh, Amsterdam, and there's a lake called Henschelschimmelen. And it's like a tropical lake. It's beautiful. You've got to pay three euros to get in, and it's absolutely stunning. So I would highly recommend going to that uh, lake. And then from there, I went to Germany, and I went to Hamburg, Berlin, and then Poland. I went to my motherland, Poland, and I went to Poznan, uh, uh, Warsaw, Krakow, Gdansk, and um, Wrocław. And I had the trip of a lifetime. I absolutely loved it. And it filled my soul with such joy to be able to travel and to be in nature that was visually stunning and to have the sun on your face. Mate, the sun on your face. And I tell you what made the difference. I stayed in accommodation. I went between bougie and cheap. So some nights I stayed in my car, some nights I spent um, sleeping in a tent, sleeping in a a caravan, and then some nights I stayed in in beautiful hotels, some nights I did Airbnb, some nights I got to stay with friends, some nights I stayed in a camper van, I got a camper van, it was amazing. And I had the most wonderful trip and it was really soulful, it was so good for my soul to travel on my own, to gain the confidence that I've lost over the last few years of 
being out in public, of being somewhere that I feel insecure, where my instinct is like, just go home, just go home, just go home. And I don't know if many of us can relate to that, where you go out, um, like pre-COVID, it was fine. But after COVID, the idea of being in crowds and surrounded by loads of people, you just go, no, I don't want to be in this. Like, I don't want to catch anything. I don't want to be anything. I'm so aware of how close people are to me. I don't want to be here. I find it so overwhelming. I don't want to do it. And also how my tastes have changed. I've got no interest in going out and getting wankered and just dancing like really loud clubs and smokes and stuff. Like I just don't, I don't want to do it. Like once in a blue moon is fine. But it felt great to go out in nature and have a wonderful time and meet people and have the most incredible food and stay in an accommodation that was cheap. But it was big. It was spacious. It wasn't small. It wasn't damp. It wasn't clustered. Like cluttered. It was a big, beautiful space that was affordable. And you realise in the UK how much how how much people have been pressured and how we're pushing people into smaller and smaller rooms giving people less and less free time less free time in the fresh air less time with the sun on their face and then funneling them with cheap ass food that you can literally order off your phone and have it delivered to you and being abroad and being somewhere where uh, admittedly you're on a holiday so you do have that holiday vibe where it feels big it feels spacious where the sun is shining where the food is cheap and it's affordable, and it's accessible, and it's delicious, and it's organic, and you're having incredible meals, and they cost you like 20 euro for like a five-star rated Michelin meal, and you're like, this is the life. Like, this is, this is the life that's out there. And what I find amazing, and I keep blowing my mind, is this is existing right now. As I'm here in my house in Birmingham, there is a square in Wrocław that's got a restaurant that's got the most beautiful food in it, that's delicious, that you can sit outside and have the sun on your face. There's a place in Switzerland right now with a mountain, with a snow clock mountain, where you can literally get in the stream and have a bath in the stream. Right now, it exists right here, right now. And I want to access that more. I want to travel more. I want to access more of these wonderful places. I want to travel more. I want to see the world more. And it grew my confidence. It grew my confidence in helping me to regulate my nervous system and to feel safe in places where I don't know everybody, where I don't know what everything looks like, where it's not familiar. And I was teaching my nervous system, I want you to embrace change. I want you to embrace what is in front of you. Not what you think should be. Not where you think you should be at. Not looking backwards at what that's happened. We've all had a hard life, mate. We've all, it's all been difficult for all of us. But how do I embrace moving forward? And how do I see what's in front of me and take it and run with it? And see that there's so much more to life and that I do not have to be defined by my ideas of where I think I should be at or what I should have. Oh, I should have a baby. I should have a husband. I could be married to somebody that I hate right now. I could have a kid that hates me, that I find exhausting. I might not even like children. I might have a kid and be like, do you know what, mate? Like, I'm too selfish. Who knows how it could be? Who knows? But what I do know is the situation is what we have got is the one that we need to focus on. So this is what 41 looks like. 41 is going to look like embracing change, embracing what the world has to offer, and saying yes to things, saying yes to opportunities, saying yes to places, and saying no to anything that makes you feel like shit or doesn't serve you, blocking it, don't need it in your life, remove it. Remove it, remove it, remove it. Because when I was 20, you told me to be polite. When I was 30, you told me to not be so impatient. And then you're 40, you go, you're irrelevant. And you go, actually, maybe you just never liked me having a voice. Maybe it's always been important for us to assert our boundaries and to assert what works for us and what doesn't. Because I always find it weird that we were taught to be polite when you're young. You know when girls are taught to be polite? And sometimes guys would come up to you and say weird shit. And you diffuse the situation by being nice or polite and saying thank you and whatever. And actually, the reality of the situation is sometimes people's rudeness by coming into your personal space or whatever 
they're not caring about their rudeness, why are you worried about being polite back? No, mate. We do not have time for anything that no longer serves us. <laughs> we are embracing the future. We are embracing what the world has to offer and saying yes to the universe and the sun on our face. So that is episode one. Happy birthday to me. Uh, this is September 7th, 1982. 41. This is what 41 looks like. Let's explore it together. I say together. You could explore it with me. How about that? Come with me for the ride, mate. Come with me. Thank you for listening. I'm Louise Oman. Big love. Bye.